You're listening to The Noble and Roosh Show, brought to you by Ball is Life and Dash Radio. Welcome back to another episode of The Noble and Roosh Show, hosted by Ball is Life. I'm your host, Roosh Williams, with my co-host, Zach Noble. And today, y'all can't see him, but he's dressed like a stone-cold pimp. We got... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> we got Bismack Biombo in the building from Miami, Florida. Bismack, how you feeling, baby? I'm feeling great, man. I'm feeling blessed. Thank you for having me. Hope you are doing great, too. Love having you here, man. You're our uh, third Hornet now on the Balls Life show. I've had uh, Devontae Graham, Cody Zeller. Um, what do you think about those guys? Uh, I like Cody a lot. That's my guy. Devontae, not so much. You know, that's a little... <laughs> The little kids don't listen. Now. <laughs> nah, that, that's my that's 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 my little brother, man. He's sitting next to me in the locker room since he got drafted. So good kids always want to listen and learn, work hard. I love that kids, man. Good, good stuff. So you're so, down in Miami so, right now. Uh, Miami, you know, the weather is not doing us a favor. It's not allowing us to enjoy Miami, but you know, can't complain, man. Things could is be worse, raining? so we're blessed. It yeah, it's, it's been raining, yeah, the past few days. I think because of the storm, you know, it's going to. But overall, you know, pretty good. We're blessed, man. We're alive. That is you know. great. So, like I told you before we got on, I'm in Houston, in Houston's weather. Houston's basically like the cousin of Miami when it comes to weather. Humid, <laughs> sticky. That's very true. <laughs> you know what I mean? Storming, uh, raining. Like today, it, just, it was pouring all, all morning, and then it stopped. Now it's sunny. Makes no sense. Exactly. I always, I always say the weather is bipolar here. <laughs> yes, yes. I'd much rather be in Florida during the summer though, than Texas. I'll tell you that. Yeah, I enjoy, I enjoy you know, the heat and stuff just to work out. I think it's great man. Uh, for the joints, the muscle. It's fantastic. I enjoy it. You got to enjoy the beach too, I'm sure. Absolutely, yes. I'll go to the beach running in the morning and riding a bike. I think those, those are fun. I enjoy that in the morning before the sun come out. So, you know, the beach is quiet, less people. It's fun. Heck yeah. Is Miami the summer spot for you the last couple of years or this new to you? Uh, you know, I, m- I moved my family down here because, uh, um, you know, uh, we used to live in L.A. We lived in L.A. for, for about uh, uh, seven to eight years. And then I think during COVID, you know, the whole family wanted some change. You know, they've, when I played in Orlando, uh, they all love Florida. So it was just trying to find something that was convenient and easy to get home. So that's kind of how we found a lot of Miami. Then move everybody down here. So I'm down here with my brothers and sisters, and hopefully soon we'll have my mom and dad come and visit us. Awesome. You know, Biz, you, I, I live in LA. I mean, obviously I'm in Houston right now because I'm from Houston, but I live in yeah. LA. What do you think about living in LA? It's a little tough. I think it's tough. I've, you know, I, I loved it at first, but then you get overwhelmed with LA, you know, uh, because you kind of looking for like certain type of culture and everybody's somebody in LA. You know what I mean? So We're like trying to be it, somebody. They, or they're trying to be somebody. And sometimes it's like, yo, you you ain't gotta tell me you somebody. If you're a normal person, I'm still gonna want to talk. You know what I mean? <laughs> so it got to that point. And plus, you know, you got TMZ about all over the place. So I'm not sure there's a place you can't go. You just have a peace of mind. Eating the chicken sandwich, bing, 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 yeah, pretty much. <laughs> so it's like, yo, man, you know what? I'm just gonna stay home. But 
again, I think for me, I just got overwhelmed. And then, you know, you get to a point in life where you just want to find some stability somewhere where family can be comfortable. You can be comfortable. You know, I could relate to home here because it's very culture, you know. I always go back, you know, between like LaMelo and I always talk about this. He's like, oh, yeah, I love Miami too, but Cali, you at least got to go visit Cali every once in a while. So I'm still going to go visit LA. I, I, I love LA, but I don't think living in it, you know, is, is a place. So that's why I, I thought it, it was it was just too overwhelming. I still love LA, but it's overwhelming. Yeah, man. Well, so speaking of LaMelo, um, one of the youngest talents and most exciting guys to watch this past season. I'm really happy he won rookie of the year. I got to see LaMelo play live at the Drew League in LA. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I think 2 years ago, 2 summers mm-hmm. ago, 2019. And I remember, you know, when when LaMelo came out and and you know started getting the attention from Chino Hills in high school. I remember right. thinking, you know, okay, this kid's talented, but I don't know. He was 62 at that time and then he he grew. He hit 67, mm-hmm. he went to Lithuania, did all that. And then when I saw him live, I was like, okay, this kid's good. And this kid's mm-hmm. going to be very good. Right. And that was kind of my moment of, of, you know, realization. And obviously he hit the NBA and, you know, was dazzling. Mm-hmm. So what are your thoughts, man, playing with LaMelo? Like, just beyond what happens on the court, he just seems like a high mm-hmm. IQ kid, hard worker yeah. and all that kind of stuff. I mean, first of all, you know, I, I think I got to give a lot of props to his parents. I mean, the job they have done educating that kids is beyond, you know, at least my expectation, because when, you know, for kids like him and, you know, the, what the public, you know, uh, put the image, when the public put the, uh, the media put the, the image of the kids out there, you know, it's like, okay, the kids, you expect them to be cocky that don't listen, you know, like I'm, I'm the real deal, you know. But when you're around the kid, you know, when, when I got to spend time with a lot with the kids, you know, uh, it's like, you, you know, it became like my little brother and he is my little brother, but you know, is humble, respectful, you know, wants to learn, ask questions, you know, all the unexpected, because for me, when it got drafted and I'm like, sure, I got to go back to Charlotte. So let's see how this is going to turn out. Right. But then when you walk in, and no, you know, I, I didn't expect that that like, you know, our relationship was gonna develop that way. It's just that hey, I'm a leader of the team, you know. I'm walking into the locker room. You, I guess you know when you got a leader team, you gotta, you know, whichever way this goes, go, but find a way to connect with everybody. And we connected more than I expected with him, more than with our other two rookies, which which was supposed to be the opposite, right? So <laughs> that's when at the beginning of the year we used to play a lot you know like uh kind of grabbing and fighting and i think we played uh we played his brother in new orleans and the video was circulating like oh you know what's going on in in the hornets locker room i think if you look it up you can find it uh and then we were sitting sitting in the locker room laughing and say you know the media will say anything because they never know the truth (laughs) and i was actually playing with him after the game and then come to realize like the camera was there. So I'm like, yo, we got to stop because the camera is here. So by the time we all look at the camera, we had serious face on because the game was on ESPN or something. Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's just the kids that I enjoy being around man. you know, very humble kids, hard worker, and he's super talented. You know, it was unfortunate to see the injury happen. 
But I think, you know, as an athlete, that's part of the growth. You know, you get you get to grow to go to those moments because that that's what makes, you know, athletes, you know, especially NBA players, the greatest players because they go to diversity, they're able to overcome. And then you have a story to tell to the next generation. For sure. So you're incredibly young yet. You're freaking 28 years old. But in NBA years, I mean. You're nine years in. I mean, you're a you're a vet. You're as vet as they get. No, nah, man. I'm actually ten years in. I just finished my ten year. How okay. crazy is that? Because I came in, you know, when I came in, you know, we didn't have these rules where it was like, you know, you had to go to college for a year and then yeah. get drafted. You know, I came from overseas, so people that came from overseas were allowed to come in the league early on. So, and and then when I play in the hoop summit, you know, we were scheduled to be drafted like two years later you know because i wanted to go back to europe and play but then after the hoop summit when i had the first triple double in the nike hoop summit history then all the press conference uh questions was uh about nba scouts yeah and the nba so (laughs) (laughs) so we went from few years to let's just put the name now let's get it over with start get building the experience the knowledge so thankfully early on in my career you know i had people that guide me but the fact that i play professional before coming to the league that helped me a lot which is exactly what i was telling Melo. you know the decision that his dad and his family took to send him to europe to get that experience as a professional allowed him to transition quicker into the nba more than the normal rookie that's great to hear and <clears throat> so you were discovered I mean, pretty well before the summit, right? I mean, when did you yeah. realize you thought you had a legit shot at making it in the NBA and being a high draft pick as you were? Right. So when I when I got to Spain, I played uh, my first year in Spain. I think by the end of the year, I was supposed to go home. And then I told my, uh, my parents, I think it was uh, around Christmas. So I told my parents, like, we're going to have a, a two weeks break, but I cannot come home. And I'm not going to come home this summer. So I'm going to work all summer. Then when people take the break to go for Christmas, I'm going to stay and work. And I think around that time, that's when I'll start figuring out that, you know, I think I have a pretty good shot. Plus, back then I was still playing in like the the third division in Spain. So I'm like, if, if I can't make it to the first division, that would give me more exposure. And once I have more exposure, uh, right now, like in Spain at a time, excuse me. It was hard for bigs to guard the small, right? And me, I was pretty good at it. So when I got a chance to get to, with the first division, the coach was like, well, we could switch one to five. I'm like, this is perfect for me. You know, I could guard the smalls, you know? So that's when the coach was like, yo, I got to play more. I got to play more. And then the more exposure I was getting and the more attraction, you know, from NBA scout, then he changed the whole perspective. But I think it's probably... In, in, like at the beginning of my second year in Spain that I figure out that, yeah, I, I could do this. So you mentioned, uh, you mentioned his Lamelo's parents. I just wanted to make a comment real quick because we mm-hmm. talked to LeVar. We had LeVar on the show back in, I think mm-hmm. October before the draft. <clears throat> yeah. And you know, people see him on TV and they, they all have opinions about X, Y, Z, whatever. And when we talked to him, it clicked for me. I realized like, yo, he knows exactly what he's doing. Hell um, yeah. You know what I mean? Like you know, hundred percent, man. Yeah. Do you, do you interact with him? Thing. I I never talked to the father, but you know the fact that I, 
<laughs> no, it never yeah. been around. That's never good. came to Charlotte, you know. Uh, wow. But the the perspective that the media give you of anybody, and I think I've got to realize that it's not just players. Everybody has to deal with this, right? So when when you only focus on what the media is feeding you, you probably never get to know this person. For but sure. for me, just after spending time with this kid, I can only tell. And then the kids telling you, you know, like the story is here and there of his dad. It's like, okay, you know, your dad's special, you know. Other than what people talk about, I was, you know, I have a lot of respect just because of, you know, the way he raised the kids. And, and that's, you know, that's beyond, you know, at least my expectation. You yeah, said, yes. you, you said you were ready at a young age. You were well prepared for the NBA when you came in at 19. I mean, who was mentoring you at that time? So, uh, uh, when, so before I got, I got here, I played in, in Yemen. For when I was 16, I played there for, for, for about, uh, I think it was about six months, which is one season. And then when I got to Spain, uh, I had um, my ex-agent hire somebody that was kind of like big brother mentor. And then when I got to the league, so Boris Diaw at the time, I think it was, we were the Bobcats. And then, you know, my English wasn't as good. So Boris was helping me a lot. Plus is a lot of things that I wanted to learn about the league. So it was sharing constant information, right? It's about coaches, you know. And then one thing, you know, uh, it used to say, and, and a lot of people in, in the environments in the locker room used to say, like, look, um, it's, it's easier to make it to the NBA and it's harder to stay because you build a reputation, like how much people respect you. And if you get lucky to make it 10 years, then, you know, you're blessed, you know? So back then, and plus they were talking about the average years was like three years and a half. So it's like, look, how can I learn as much as possible? So Boris was one of them. Uh, Eduardo Najara was another one. I think he retired that year because somebody elbowed him in the foreheads and then he had a fracture, a oh, fracture his that, forehead. Yeah. yeah, and I was in a game. I was like, oh my God, this is real bad, man. So, <laughs> uh, so he ended up retiring every now and then still kept in touch. And then we had uh, Matt Carroll, who was also another veteran on our team. And then I think they brought in at some point, Corey McGetty. Um, so we had some vet that actually came through, uh, Sagana job was towards uh, the end of his career. So we actually had some vet that, you know, that could at least, teach me from their mistakes, you know, and then you could correct it, you know, rather there's the work ethic, you know, how you take care of your body, you know, the game preparation, you know, the leadership aspect of the game, you know, how do you communicate, uh, you know, with the coach and how, you know, if you're in a leadership position, how do you now play the bridge between the players and the coaches and all that stuff, you know? So, <clears throat> excuse me. So, I, you know, that's kind of how I went about it, but I took the first year really as a learning process because it was just Kemba and I as the youngest guy on the team. So like, and we had the worst record in the league. So, and you have a desire to win, but <clears throat> here you are winning probably like six or seven games and dealing with the worst record in the league. And now you got to go into summertime and find, you know, that, use that as a motivation to get better. So it was it was a rough year, but I think there's more good than bad. 
just because of the environment we're in. And plus you had Michael there and Michael was, you know, back then Michael was spending a lot of time with the team. He was constantly in the locker room, constantly during practice. You could talk to him after practices, you know, and, and the fact that it was always open to share information, acknowledge about certain things, you know, that was very helpful as well, actually. Was there I almost, a, I almost forgot there, about him. <laughs> was there pressure? Do you feel pressure hey, when you'd see him as like, a young, as like a young guy in the locker room and you see MJ? So I'm going to tell you the truth, right? So I came from the, uh, for the draft. If it could speak for himself, it, it can. Uh, but, uh, you know, we were playing this four and four and five and five. Uh, it was behind the baskets, and then he was talking shit, and I was talking shit to him. And at the time, it was sitting next to Paul Silas. So going back and forth, and I was playing and talking shit. And I always like to talk shit with Michael for some reason, right? Why not? So uh, uh, I don't know, man. It's just instinct, you know? And uh, <laughs> and that's kind of how, you know, our relationship grew, to be honest. Uh, but, you know, it, it was always open that you know and then obviously when you, you and then you know at the beginning is michael it come in a locker you know but then when it gets to the point where it become like a like a little brother i mean like a big brother so now it's like all right man michael is here we're, okay where is he you know what i mean so, <laughs> then, <laughs> so but yeah it's you know i think our relationship grow to be something that I, you know, I did not expect it. You know, I always consider him as a mentor, as a big brother. That's um, amazing. Just because, you know, I could trust him with asking him about any questions. And if he's within a reach to help me with something, he always does. So, you know, I love Michael. So hey, you, you only... did something right. He brought you back. That's the thing. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's strange when, 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 when Michael, Mike, Michael reach out and, and then you know like this old thing so I was like you know what I'm actually excited to do this again let's figure out but obviously this year we had enough talent but you know unfortunately the injuries and COVID these things that we, we cannot control but you know yeah Michael's my government so hey this is the most exciting I can remember Charlotte Hornets basketball I mean I know y'all used to be the Bobcats yeah, like, this is the most exciting Charlotte basketball. I agree. To me, since since Alonzo Mourning and and you know Grandma. No Mama. question. This year, no this question. team. Yeah. 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 This year, we had ourselves a lot of fun. You know, it, it was, you know, one thing that when you're around locker room, sometimes you find ego, right? But in in our team this year, we had none of that. You know, guys supported each other. You know, if you play 15 minutes, 20 minutes, 30 minutes, 35, 40 minutes. Or if you don't play, so still supporting the next guy. And I think that's what played really a big role in our success this year. And plus, everybody just wanted to have fun, you know. I think it was if it was <laughs> it was one game and pregame, you know, we were doing this pregame stuff. You know, we always jumping and I end up slapping Terry Roger in the head. And the video was circulating all over the place. <laughs> some people were questioning rather than that. Our locker room was good. And some people were like, yeah, these guys are just having fun. You smacked them a little too good. hard, right? Not, I, I did, man. I Not for you, but probably, for the fans. <laughs> oh, man, I watched it probably like 15, 20 times. But every time I watch, I laugh. <laughs> and then the next day, he actually 
rewind it over and over himself and was laughing at himself. So I think for us, it was just, let's get together. Let's have the most fun. You know, the circumstances were not the best because of COVID, obviously you have to stay home, quarantine, you go to the game and come back home. But I think we got more out of this year, you know, on a personal level than we all expected. And that's fun. Yeah. I mean, you had Gordon Hayward step up, who I think was a yeah. big addition to the team. Absolutely. Had a huge year. Huge year, uh, yes. I think Miles Bridges was the best dunker in the league, like every other night. In game, oh my God. In game, no question. The guy, was, Crazy. the guy was unbelievable. Yeah. And plus, so you know, he had LaMelo who actually tore his lobs, which was like a perfect combination. If you're going to the game as a fan, you absolutely looking forward to some LaMelo lobs, which LaMelo forced everybody to get in a lot of shit because this kid catch the <laughs> ball and take off. And then he's like, where are you going, man? <laughs> you know, he would catch the ball and it's out. So every time it was constant, you got to get out the floor, you got to run. And then, uh, and was then you the- got to make sure. Go for it. No, no. I was just saying, you got to make sure you protect him defensively. That's all. I was going to say, is this the most you've had to run in throughout your whole career? No. Oh, okay. when, when, I, when I played when I played with, with Kyle Lowry is the most I've had to run because uh you know Kyle is is is, is my brother. Um and and when I played with Kyle, uh Corey and DeMar DeRozan, that was like a team where I had to do the most run because I was forced to cover a lot of them on the team. Yeah. Versus now, you know, now you know, obviously basketball has evolved. Nobody really runs the basket. Everybody runs to the three-point line. So it's kind of less running. But offensively, for us, I think that was one of our main keys, just to be able to get up and down the floor. Uh, And I think having LaMelo kind of bring the joy of being, you know, of getting up and down the floor, like beating the other bigs down the floor, things that, you know, you do every once in a while. Now you look forward to almost every game because, you know, you know, the dude's going to throw the ball, so let's get up and down the floor, you know. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. So to that point, though, you just said you just mentioned now people, the game spreads out, right? And everybody runs to the three point line. So I looked this up. You've shot three three pointers in your NBA career. Three. Mm-hmm. So I was going to ask you, has it crossed your mind to step out? and to, to start getting a three-point shot, or does that just never cross your mind? I'm not even going to lie to you. So last, I think before COVID happened, the coach was like, yeah, if you open out a three, shoot it. Because we were, you know, during practice, you know, they have me practice it. They have me what, in practice, three. right? In practice. So this is what happened, actually. A practice before COVID happened, I went in practice. We were playing like five on five. And I made like uh, 
five or six. So all the coaches like, oh, we're ready to shoot it again. <laughs> Let's go. And then and then COVID hit. I was like, God damn, you COVID. So <laughs> so then fast forward earlier this season, the coaches like, we gotta get back to that, you know. So but as we were working, we barely had time to practice. So, so you feel that pressure? No, I don't feel the pressure, but okay. I think you know. I I think if I'm open, I'm definitely shooting it. So uh, and I think that happened this year once. When I was clearly open and my man was all the way in the pen, I didn't care because if the coach give me a green light, so I, 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 I don't give it. Excuse my language, but I don't give a damn what anybody else say. I'm sure it. it. So, but at the end of the day, for me, it's just that you have to play the right way. Although there's a pressure, the ultimate goal is to win a game. Rather you shoot trees or not trees, like we could fall in love with the trees, but now the playoff gets here. How many bigs I've shot these threes? You barely see all the big shooting threes because now yep. the, the game reversed back to what it was normally, where the bigs gotta play his role. So because they're getting better, I, exactly. And then amazing. Big, that's my point. They 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 grade they better and and then and then big big start thinking different. They yep. adjusting to today's game. So. I think that's what we have, you know, we've seen bigs having success and, and it's fun and exciting. But like I said, I think, you know, all these threes, it's fun for the season. But when it gets to the playoff and when it's go time, the game reverses back. So we got to go back to do what we do best in order for us to win these games, you know. Because still, if I could go get 10 offensive rebound that give us 10 extra position. And if we get out of the 10 position, we could hit five threes that give us 15 points. So pretty much I can create 15 points of doing what I do to help the team win. So plus in the playoff, you know, everybody got to play their role. You know, somebody got to rebound the ball. Somebody got to protect the paint and somebody got to take more shots than everybody and play somewhat some defense, you know, so speaking so, of that, I think that's why your career has lasted as long as it has, because you know your strengths and you just play to them. You don't try to do anything you don't think you can do or you that's probably out of your box. No, man. You know your it's, role. But yeah, it, it's nonsense because <laughs> because if you think about it, no, no, nonsense in, in a in a way of saying why would I want to do something that's out of my you know, like I have Lamelo. Just not again, needed. <laughs> if I said probably, yeah, if I said 15 screens for him, he's either going to shoot the floater or he's going to get somebody hoping because somebody's going to have to come in and help. Or we're going to have a backdoor, somebody slide to the corner, get a corner kick. We're going to get something out of it, right? So now, if I'm popping and then the other team is switching one to five, we're stuck. So it's like, I think for me, it's always you always got to adjust with whoever you're playing. Understand who, with, you know, this, these are my teammates. These are the strengths and weaknesses. This is how I can help them. And this is how they can help me. Because in return, like I think when I, I remember when I was in Toronto, uh, Kyle would come to me and say, look, I'm going to get you uh, probably two, three lobs this game. Or two, three pocket pass in pick and roll, right? And then DeMar would be like, yeah, I think at the beginning of the game, I could get you like two passes. So that's 10 points. And then here and there, you get Corey, you throw your lob, 
That's 12 points. And then they'll be like, just get the offensive rebound. Don't fight to score. If you cannot score, just kick it out because I'll pass you the ball. You know, so you start thinking that way. And then they're like, now defensively, we're going to need you to do this, this, and that. But we're going to reward you offensively. So now it takes all the pressure away from scoring. And plus, you know, but like I said, I think to me, when it gets to the playoffs, everything reverse. So you always shoot for that. You know, you always focus on that. When the playoff comes, how can we play? Because you cannot shoot. You cannot try to shoot the other team. There's no way. The Houston have tried for years. It never worked. It almost <laughs> the only did. Team, it almost it, did. They got hurt. Almost. There is almost. Almost. They got hurt. Not the same as doing it. <laughs> <laughs> hey, but it was going to work if they if Chris Paul. Biz, don't, don't ever, talk. If we talk about this, I can go all day. Have you ever heard a team say we almost win a championship? Either you did or you didn't. Hey, he's speaking. Of- That's true. But did but did they lose their second star going against four stars? Almost never work, man. Either okay. you do or don't. <laughs> hey, but who, but who was an who? example? So I give you an example. Trey Young went down yesterday. If Atlanta would have lost the game, should we say they almost? Lost the game? Uh, they almost won the game? No, yeah. they lost the game, but they went and win the game. So, in my opinion, I agree with you. Injuries is something you cannot control, but at the same time, I haven't seen one team that tried to outshoot the other team and play on defense. So, speaking of teams that kind of came up short, but, I mean, you lost to one of the greats. I mean, you lost to LeBron. Um, that Toronto team was the best team you ever played on. Where does that rank? Was that the most fun you've ever had in a year? Or what team was the most fun you've ever played on, do you think? Um, I think that's the most fun, really, I've had since I've been in the league. I think this this year was probably my other year where I just have fun being around the team. But I think that's the most fun because, one, we didn't have ego. And then, two, we wanted to see everybody succeed on that team, which was crazy. Where, you know, you have... Kyle, who, who comes to you constantly like, look, I want to see everybody on this team get paid. Anybody that ever played with me, I want them to have, to see them succeed and play and, and reach the biggest stage in their lives. And then, but we just love being around each other. And then it was just fun. You know, I know like if I made a mistake, somebody going to cover for me. We never yell at each other. Never. Not once. Uh, we always talk to each other. I'll, I'll listen if you got to talk. And then you listen to me if I got to talk. But we never, like, try to bump head, except I know when I first got there, Kyle Lowry and I did not like each other so much. But Why? then we, t- we turned out to become best friends because I did not like his approach. And, you know, yeah. me, I was I was in my own space. So it's like, I mean, well, this guy's... Well, he pokes the bear, approach? doesn't he? No, because for me, like, that's what I'm saying. When you don't know somebody, but you get the perspective from the outside, it's different than if you spend time knowing somebody, right? So, like, Kyle and I, like, it was like, well, you do your thing, I do my thing. But then over the course of time in practice, you know, you you got to either, you know, switch and guard him or you, you on the floor, like, fourth quarter, I was always with him. So we find a way, I think at some point in the season, I can't remember, things just click, and then we just became, like, best friends. He's, he's, he's like family, and, you know, and, and I love his kids, but the, the thing is, at the beginning, we were never that. It was just, hey, do your thing, I do my thing. And to your point, you, you said Kyle Lowry was saying, yo, I want to get everybody paid. 
you got paid that summer after that season, right? I know. That was your yeah. I so, saw him no a while ago. It's like we gotta play again. When you say his approach, are you talking about like like a Chris Paul type on the floor telling you go here, do this, that type of that type of approach? Nah, you know, you know when you play with somebody that understand the game, and you know when you move, they move, and then when they move, you move. It's like you you don't have to tell them much; they ain't gotta tell you much. You guys just moving, right? Yeah. Offensively, defensively, you guys just go and go and get it done, get it done, and get it done. And then when it's like clutch time, you know if I do this, it's gonna get him this. You know, like if he, if I gotta get chemistry. him a shot, this is why we got it. It was just natural chemistry. You know, you didn't have to force it. So to my point is, it's easier to play with him with a guy like that. But I've seen Chris Paul, and and I think I. I told my brother this. I said, people can hit, you know, might not like this guy, but I think the guy has proven a lot of people to be wrong because look at Phoenix. Phoenix was not what they are today. And Chris Paul, they, they are almost the same team, but they signed a few guys and then bring in Chris Paul. And then the whole dynamic of the, of the team changed. So in some, somehow, somewhere, the guy has something in him that people have to learn how to appreciate that. And to me, you know, I, I respect that. So it's the same with LeBron. Even when I, when I wasn't, before we went in that Toronto series, I was always like, man, this guy, LeBron, this and that. But then when you face him in the actual playoffs, you see how much the guy think, the game preparation, you know, when he's on the floor, how he communicate with other guys. Uh, it's poise, how it makes you pay for the little mistakes you make, you know, just reading the game, you know, like I think at some point they wanted to keep me in that series. They wanted to keep me away from the basket. So they had like three different plays. They run the first one back to back. We're like, okay, the third time we got to stop it. So then it brought in the, the second play and we're like, okay, now we can, stop it next time they run it and then he went back to the third play so now we can figure out to stop the third play and then he came back to the second play so now we're like well what they're running next and then by the time they're running the next play you're looking at the score like shit we're down 15. <laughs> <laughs> so and then you go back you watch film over and over and over it's like yo we made a mistake here you you know this is where you actually make sure we pay for it so it changed also the way I watch film and the way I studied these games. And, and then you're saying so LeBron, me, you're saying LeBron yeah, yeah, yeah. changed the way. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It, it made me change the way I watch film because his approach was just unique in that series. You know, like, uh, I think I talked with, uh, Shannon Fry and, uh, and, uh, and, um, uh, and somebody who we just have Richard, Richard Jefferson. Yes, yes, yes. And we we're just talking about that game. Uh, that game, they were like, you know, the coach would come in and put a scout report. Like, gotta make sure Kyle Lowry is this, Demar is this. Everybody like, nah, man, Bismack Biombo is the problem. So, the whole game plan was to keep me away from the basket, so everybody can. I mean, you got every damn rebound, basket. man. <laughs> yeah, what I, I know. <laughs> but, stop it. but they figure out how to do it, and they do it so good that. 
And the guy was just, it's just brilliant. So at that point, that's when I realized like, look, man, when somebody is great, you got to give them their flowers and respect the work they put in um, because it takes a lot of hours of preparation for somebody to come into the game and have that kind of mindset where we're going to run this play. If they stop it, then we're going to go to three and then we'll come back to two. Maybe we'll hit them with two again, you know, so just bouncing with three plays in the fourth quarter that is very effective and they find a way to make it work. Yeah, it's tough because right. usually coaches nowadays like your display work, run it until they stop it. Well, in the playoffs, you run it the first time, the second time, the third time we got the third time we got to be able to stop it. Yeah. So, but yeah, I appreciate you going in depth with that. So a couple more, we'll get you out of here. But um, after that fun year, I mean, you know what it's like playing on a up and coming team. You know, what it's like playing on a veteran contending team you know it's like playing on the worst team you've seen it all i mean you're Mm -hmm. you're 11 here a big free agency coming for you where are you and kyle Lowry going as a package deal this summer i mean where do you what's (laughs) an ideal situation (laughs) i wish i knew man minnesota's calling i think yeah man uh we just wait i mean i'm waiting for free agency i don't know what he's gonna do (laughs) but uh what are your goals man what are your goals no, I, you know, I think for me, you know, at this point in, in, in my career, like you're just you're just looking for stability and and being able to, you know, to be in a mix of winning. And I think that's one of the reasons I wanted to go back to Charlotte, because I thought we had that. Right. Yep. We you know, if it wasn't for the injuries, I think we'd be competing for the playoffs. Uh, but, you know, life is what it is. You can't control it. But I think, that, you know. That's gonna why why you know I enjoy the game being able to wake up and you have something to compete for you know want to get in the playoff hopefully go compete for a championship um, otherwise there's no point of playing basketball you know you're just playing for the money and all that sure. but I'm ten years in man so just Charlotte's towards the, the top of the list then or so you know Charlotte is. Is always going to be there. You know, I don't think, you know, I'm taking them off the list, you know, okay. plus, plus Michael's like my big brother. But uh, at the same time, there's the business side of it. You know, there's free agency that's yeah. coming up. You always want to listen to what other teams have to say. And, uh, and to be honest, even if I would have get to the point that I'll, I'll leave, like the love between me and Michael would never change, you know. Uh, when I left, the love between me and him didn't change, and uh, we actually got better. With, you know, and then when I came back, it was still the same, if not better. So I don't think that's going to change one way or another one. But I look forward to free agency. God will, you know, we'll be in a good position. I was going to ask you, um, and and then after this, I just want to ask you about your efforts in Congo before we get mm-hmm. you out of here. But um, do you have like a story or any type of advice or any? Just anything you can remember from, because you keep talking about Michael as your big brother. Right. Um, any, any type of advice or just anything he's given you that has stuck with you that you want to share or a story where maybe y'all were talking shit, whatever. No, man. Uh, I'm going to tell you a story. So one time uh, when we were at the Bobcats, uh, um, I think that year I was uh, struggling, uh, somewhat figuring out like the game and stuff because I was just transitioning from Europe to the NBA. And then in Europe, you play one, one game a week, if not, maybe sometimes two. So um, 
it was after practice. Uh, he came to me. He said, um, I'm going to bet you a thousand dollars for seven out of ten free throws. So I looked at him and I said, what? A thousand dollars for what? Thank you. So I step on the line and I'm happy, I'm smiling. And then I start focusing. I was serious. I was not smiling no more when I start shooting them, right? So I made my first four. And then he was sitting down. So he got up, he's like, you know, put his hands in his pocket. He had some cash. And then I was like, yo, got the money right here, too. I was like, oh, shit. You weren't kidding. Said, no, I'm not kidding. The money's right here. So uh, I think I'm, I missed uh, the following one. Make my fifth one. I know I made all the way up to six, and then I had, uh, I believe, two shots left. Uh, all I had to do is make one. You pulled a Giannis. So, yeah. So uh, he's like, no, 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 stop, stop shooting. So he grabbed the ball, and then he goes on, he talks, he gives his pitch, you know, and then, you know, my typical Michael talking shit, and then he tell everybody, it was, yeah, you know, yelling. So everybody in the gym had to stop and they were watching, right? So he rolled the ball down, grabbed the ball, missed, missed, missed uh, the knife shot, and I had one shot to get uh, the, to get a seven, to get a thousand dollars. So I'm like, yeah, this should be cool. <laughs> so he gave me the ball, took the ball, I was focused, I shot it, and then I missed. I was like, damn, now I'll hold you a thousand dollars, and my bank, I haven't even hit that higher of a number for me to give you the money, but I go to the bank. So then uh as as I finished shooting that it was it was laughing. I said, why are you laughing? He said, you see, that's an NBA game. I said, what makes you say that? He said, you know when you step on the line, you play like you were playing for something, right? You were focused, you didn't accept distraction. You didn't accept none of that. It was just the game. This moment right here, right now. That's what I got. So that's the NBA game. You really got to focus on that and then let the rest take care of itself. And from that moment forward, it changed my approach to the game. You know, I was enjoying the game more. I was having fun. You know, my focus level raises, you know, attention to details, all these things. But yeah, that was, that was, I don't know. I don't, I won't say it was funny, but it was, more so educational for me, That's you great. know, in, in, in any yeah. shape my career, you know. So, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But That's yeah, why he's my goat. My <laughs> goat baby. So that, yeah, yeah, it was like, yeah, you don't owe me a thousand dollars. I was like, thank God, I ain't gotta go to the <laughs> bank. <laughs> well, thanks for sharing that. So, look, before we get you out of here, man, can you can you talk about? Yeah. There was a devastating volcano, I believe, in your in your home country, and um, you know, just yeah. your efforts to try and help out and, and what's going on there. I think a bunch of people. I think thousands of people have had to evacuate. Um, yeah. And it seems so, pretty devastating. Um, so we had an, an, a volcano erupt. Uh, obviously, uh, the foundry was being pulled away from, uh, from the city. Uh, and there, there were no, uh, they had no awareness that the volcano was going to erupt. You know, it caught everybody off guard. So as the volcano erupts, so they were forced to evacuate. So I think now we, we reach almost a million people. Uh, uh, after they did the count. So almost a million people are homeless, you know, wow. uh, the volcano have, you know, pretty much erased the houses, local businesses. Um, and, uh, and I think, uh, some schools have been destroyed. 
So thankfully, uh, the school that we have in that city was not damaged, you know, but uh, we we use it as a shelter, you know, uh, for 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 people that was in need, you know, also as a center of distribution for whatever was needed. Uh, so pretty much like right now, a lot of people, are, you know, we're dealing with food problem, uh, housing problem. You know, a lot of kids have been separated from their families, um, pretty much homeless. So you can, you know, trying to share pictures all over the place and trying to make sure you can reconnect these kids with their families. Um, so that's kind of some of the things that we're dealing with since the volcano erupts. And obviously the goal for me, especially in the position that I'm in, was just to say, how can we reach as many families as we can reconnect as many kids as we can try to build rebuild some homes and and figure a way to create some sustainable businesses that would allow these people to get back into the communities uh so yeah. that's kind of what we're doing we did a uh GoFundMe. uh i donated myself to uh, to the foundation uh hundred thousand dollars and then yeah. we're trying to raise uh as much as we can so we created the GoFundMe as something fun and I always tell people, you know, a lot of people, uh, the ones that are helping that I don't know, that I do know, they're now from Congo, you know, but somewhat, you know, the story of Congo impacted the world as well, because in some way we all connected. You know, I do things here in the U.S. now because I'm from here, because I feel connected, you know, to the people here. I can I can always relate. But. Yeah, so that's pretty much it. And to everybody that wants to help, you know, we have the link on, I think it's on my Twitter or my, okay. or, or my, my, my uh, Instagram. They can always go there, learn more about this, and uh, they can feel free to donate. But again, all the fun uh, go to these families and kids. And we always invite people, whoever wants to come, you know, feel free. We show you my 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 neighborhood and then uh, and then we take you to you know where we do most of our work but this year our focus is more so on a volcano more than anything how often have you gotten back there you know i haven't been back since covid okay since covid eight so it's, um, well, since before 2019 then. so before before covid uh i'm looking forward to go back home probably in the next couple of weeks uh, we're still trying to figure out because uh, the cases has rise a little bit. Usually we do basketball camps for kids every summer, and then we give scholarships to the best kids who come here in the U.S. Yeah. And then, we, you know, we build the schools locally. So uh, the goal this year, I think, is just to focus more on the volcano and keeping everybody safe because the virus, you know, we have not gotten this vaccine over there. And then you got to educate people on the vaccines. You can't force them to take it. So, but yeah, that's pretty much it, guys. And and I appreciate it again. Thank you for the question and the platform to speak about this. Absolutely. Hey, thank you for sharing. We appreciate you. Um, thanks for coming on, man. Sorry to hear all that. That's that's crazy. Like like he said, visit visit business Twitter or Instagram if you want to donate um, and try to help out there. Um, but hey, thanks for coming on, man. I really enjoyed talking to you. Really enjoyed everything. When we put this out, we'll probably get this out next week. Um, if you just retweet it, we would be very grateful for that. And um, oh, good man. And yeah, man. Oh, last question, by the way. Did uh, did you look up to to Dikembe Mutombo at all growing up? Because I think he's also from the Congo. Is that right? Yeah, 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 yeah. He's also from the Congo. You know, when I first, it's funny enough you asked that because 
you know, like Mutombo, Akim Olajuwon, Manute Ball, all those guys that came before us, to us was almost an excitement to hear, to get to know about them because they, you know, they came before us. They kind of show us that it was possible to do it, to go from Congo to the NBA. So I think, you know, around that time, if you're getting into basketball, you're looking at them, right? You look up to them. But obviously at the beginning, it dive more into health. Uh, uh, and I was like, since it's already into health, let me dive into, you know, education and sport, right? But you always look up to it because, because of them now, you know, you have a lot of kids that come from Africa, you know. Did you guys try uh, to qualify yeah. for the Olympics at all or? Well, not this year, but I think the next Olympics, because like now we, we, we starting to put the team together because we have uh, more NBA players and more pro players from Congo uh, that can actually compete. We can put a solid team. So that kind of become the focus. But yeah, Mutombo is it's a big brother to me and I love the guy, man. So I can only say so much great things about him and especially what he has done for our people. Oh, man. Well, hey, Biz, thank you again. It's the Big Mac, Biz Mac, Big Biz, Biombo. We appreciate Oof. you coming on, man. We look forward to doing it in the future, hopefully. And uh, we'll be Bless. watching free agency. We're going to see where you go. Bless, man. Appreciate it. God will, man. Hey, enjoy that Miami <laughs> summer, man. Take care. Oh, I am going to enjoy it, guys. <laughs> Club, Club All right, man. Go. All right, brother. You have a good night. Thank you. Bless, man. Amp set.